Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations. So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome to the Commission Podcast. My name is Jed Robine. I'm the founder of Pilgrim Way Ministries. With me, as always, is my friend and my brother, Pastor Eric Teitelman. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Uh, we're excited to share this show with you. Um, we have a series of shows, actually, that we're going to be unfolding here as we continue uh, our rhythm of recording these episodes. Um, and this episode is really going to set up um, future episodes. And we want to take stock of what's happening in our country right now. There's a lot of racial discord. Um, there's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of shouting, a lot of division, disunity, even within the body of Christ. And one of the reasons that uh, Eric and I, we, we started this podcast was to bring a message of the gospel of the kingdom, a gospel that is centered on unity, and it's centered on a remnant from every tribe and tongue being gathered uh, together by the Holy Spirit, born again believers uh, from every ethnic identity, seated at a table, united by our common faith and bonded by that faith in Jesus as our Messiah. Amen. And in that family, there is no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no male or female, no slave, no free, no rich or poor. And these divisions that are man-made and uh, have historically um, been used by the enemy to divide and sow violence and discord, they're antithetical to the gospel of the kingdom. That's right. And it's our conviction. And that's what I really want us to talk about today, Eric, and hear your thoughts and, and share my own Um it's time for the body of Christ, the Ecclesia, to come forward, to run towards a crisis, not away from it. That's right. To enter in and to say, we believe that the gospel of the kingdom is the power of God to save. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he's saving us from is our propensity to be separatist, to be violent, to be divided, to be hostile towards one another, whether that's across ethnic lines, whether that's Jew or Greek or black or white or First Nations, uh, it, it doesn't matter where those, that enmity exists. It's in our nature. Mm -hmm. And the gospel is what saves us from that hostility. That's right. And one of the things we've talked about in previous podcasts is out of Ephesians 2, that it's this enmity and hostility that was put to death in the body of Christ, in himself, and in his blood, mm -hmm. where we are free. That wall of hostility has been torn down. That's right. And so where the world wants to break everything apart, really the enemy wants the world to be as divided and disunified as possible. So he's inflaming hatred between male and female. He's inflaming hatred between rich and poor, mm -hmm. um, inflaming hatred, uh, you know, across ethnic lines. Now is the time. It's our contention. And what we want to talk about today is it's we believe the Holy Spirit's calling the Ecclesia. That's right. The body of believers to enter into the conversation and to bring forth the word of God with clarity mm -hmm. and saying, this is God's heart as a father. This is the message of the gospel. All are welcome to this table. It's a foundation that our equality is, is based on his sacrifice mm -hmm. and his elevation of every tribe and tongue to a place of equity at that table. So those are some initial thoughts. Eric would love to pass the mic to you for a little bit to hear your ruminations, and we can continue from there in today's episode. 
Well, this is such an, an enormous topic, and I know we're going to have to probably take several episodes, and I'm sure as we invite others into the conversation with Donnie and, and Chaplain T and others, that we're going to be unpackaging these issues just one layer at a time. But I, I agree with you. We need to bring, the body of Christ needs to bring clarity uh, to the discussion. I mean, what are the real issues, the real facts that are behind all of the problems that are in our nation today, that are in the church today, spiritual problems that are revealing themselves in this the natural realm, the form of division and separation and fear and hostility and envy and all of these emotions that are, that are really antithetical. They're just not, they're not compatible with the gospel of the kingdom of God, bringing all of his people together as, as one family of God, every tongue and tribe and nation of people standing before the throne of God and worshiping him. It's, it's just not compatible with that. God's heart, he died, Christ died on the cross for every single person that is willing to receive the message of the gospel, male, female, Jew, Greek, free or slave or rich or poor. He died for all of us. And, and Jesus is waiting for his bride to come together as one people. He prayed it in John 17. Mm-hmm. He prayed for all flesh. He didn't just pray for the Jews to be unified. He prayed for all flesh to be unified. Right. He gave examples of what the true unity in the body of Christ would look like. And he, he not only gave examples, but he demonstrated those examples with his own life. And he said that there's no greater gift that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And so he demonstrated to us that the gift that he was willing to give us was the kind of love and the kind of gift that he expected his disciples to give to others. In other words, if Jesus was willing to die for us, then we needed to be willing to lay down our lives also for our friends, our brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. So he set that standard. He set that example. And I even tell people it's a much higher standard than even the old covenant standard. Mm. The golden rule, the treat others or don't treat others as you wish to be not treated and, and or love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Paul said that we were to esteem others more highly than ourselves. And that the gospel that Jesus brought was that we would be willing to sacrifice our lives so that our brother would live. Mm. And that's not, that's not the, you know, I'll treat you the same. That's, I'm going to treat you even better than I'm willing to treat myself. I love what you're saying, Eric. And I think it's important that we say up front, you know, we just need to define some terms. Yes. One term that, that, that we're going to talk about is love, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, in the English language, I can say, you know, I love ice cream and I love my wife. However, my emotional impact of what I mean when I say love in those two contexts are radically different. That's right. And so I think it's important that we say when we talk about love, we're talking about 1 Corinthians 13. That mm-hmm. is the model of love. So for our listeners, as you guys listen to our conversation, as we speak of love, we're, we're speaking of really God's love as he laid out for us a roadmap mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 13. And we need to be clear, too, uh, that the Holy Spirit minces no words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through the Apostle John says, if a man claims to love God but hates his brother, that man is a liar. That's right. And so there's this idea a notion that's communicated in the scripture of, you know, how can we say we love an invisible God if we fail at loving the visible family of God that's, that's right. right in front of us? And I think that's an important 
idea that we need to unpack on these episodes of just owning, okay, we've fallen short in some very basic, elementary, primary ways that we need to actually love God Mm -hmm. is in the way in which we love one another. And that's That's obviously Jesus said that. As I've loved you, now love one another. That's right. But I want to start by with this idea, Eric, um, this assertion. The one that we have primarily offended through our ethnic hatred and our ethnic division and our division in the body is Jesus himself. That's right. We tend to want to repent and make things right horizontally and go say, I'm sorry, you know, and and, uh, start to repair a relationship between human beings. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about this scripture where David, when he's confronted with his sin of Bathsheba and Uriah, he says, uh, Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. Right. And so there's a guiltiness that has to be addressed where we, instead of going to say, well, I'm going to apologize to this group of people or that group of people mm-hmm. first, we actually, I think, need to come into contact with a grief that I believe exists in the heart of the Father, yeah. which is we, we're not operating in his love for one another. And that actually wounds him. That's right. And and until we, we actually have uh, gone to him and, and reckoned that pain and felt it. And, and been contrite and repented for that, I don't know if we're ready to have the conversation really about healing one another. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to push forward into a conversation about uh, ethnic r- relationships mm-hmm. in America without first acknowledging the elephant in the room that, man, we've really fallen short of God's ideal here. And we've mm-hmm. got to start there and say, Lord, against you and you alone, have we sinned? Well, I, I completely agree with where you're going. I feel like when it comes to repentance on any issue that any offense that any of us have committed against the Lord directly or against another person, that until the Holy Spirit really penetrates our hearts and convicts us of that, and when he's convicting us, what he's really actually showing us is the Father's heart and how he feels about that. And so, for example, and I'm just, you know, using myself as an example, but I remember you know, early on uh, in my walk as a Christian, and of course, I love the Jewish people and I have a heart for the Jewish people, but the Lord began to take me on some journeys in some dreams and some visions that I had early on where he would show me Jerusalem and the Jewish people. And he would, like we were f- like floating through the city. And as I was looking down on the city and on the people that live there, my heart was like bursting with tears. Mm. I was weeping uncontrollably. And God was saying, now you, now you know how my heart feels. Wow. When Jesus was literally, when he was weeping over Jerusalem, I mean, his heart was bursting mm. because he had a broken heart. And that's how much he loves the Jewish people. So I'm just using that as an example. But the Lord has given me similar experiences over other people groups as well. Mm. And, I, and so he rends our hearts. He rends my heart and he begins to rip it open so that I can feel his heart and how he is grieved for that person. And if I've offended them, then not only do I need to take this to the Lord and repent to him, but of course you, we know the scriptures because he says, now go to your brother. In mm-hmm. fact, he make, it's a pretty strong uh, statement that Jesus makes. He says, I don't even want you to bring your sacrifice to me. Mm. And f- I'm not even going to receive your sacrifice, your offering, until you have gone ahead and repaired the damage that you caused to your brother. 
So it starts, I, I agree, it starts with us turning to the Lord and allowing him to rend our hearts so mm. that we feel what we've done. We feel the pain and we really are grieved and repentant. And then we can go to our brother with that humbled, repentant spirit and say, forgive, forgive me. Yes. And, and of course, we also pray that that person would forgive. And that's another whole discussion. We're going to hold off on that. But, <laughs> but we're starting with, with repentance. But, you know, we need the forgiveness also because if we don't have forgiveness, we can't have reconciliation. We can't restore the relationship. But right. it starts with us wanting to go to that person to say, just forgive me for what I did. I'm, and now I understand in my heart, in my spirit, how I've damaged you. I love what you're saying. And it reminds me of a story of uh, a dear uh, spiritual father of mine who, when he was a pastor for many years and he didn't have a heart for Israel Mm -hmm. and he was at a, at a session and heard out of Romans 11, I don't want you to be ignorant of these mysteries related to Israel, lest you grow arrogant. And, you know, he heard that before, read it before, but it's sometimes the Holy Spirit just brings a fresh mm-hmm. conviction, right? That's right. And in his story, the conviction was basically very, very specific. Your attitudes are hurting me. Mm. Your attitudes towards Israel are hurting me, which is what Jesus says to Paul, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? me? Our attitudes towards one another can wound God. And mm. I think we have to understand that we live in a noisy, noisy age. Mm. We live in a loud, angry, politically charged environment. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you could be right, but if you're not speaking your right perspective in love, you're actually wrong. Mm-hmm. If you're not speaking it at the right season and in the right time, you can be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it really does take a bridled spirit a bridled human spirit that's being led by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to be right on all three phases. You have the right word. You're bringing it at the right time and you're bringing it in the right manner. Um, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Mm-hmm. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And I was thinking about this story today as well from the scriptures in Galatians 2, where the apostle Paul rebukes the apostle Peter. And I want us to maybe talk about this a little bit in this episode, this interesting scenario that we have in the scriptures of this actually playing out in the early church. So the story is really simple. Peter is hanging out with the Gentiles um, and he's fellowshipping with them. And Eden is one of them. Mm-hmm. His Jewish brothers show up on the scene and he actually goes and eats with the Jews. And it says he's afraid. He's afraid of what the Jews are going to think of him. And they believe that those Gentiles should be circumcised. Mm. And so Paul rebukes him for hypocrisy, calls him out publicly. And I want us to think about why. Why is the Holy Spirit in Paul rebuking Peter? And this is one idea that I've been reflecting on. You know, Peter has a lot of authority Mm -hmm. spiritually. Yes, he does. And God has gone to great lengths, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, of teaching Peter the Jew how to relate to Cornelius, the new Gentile convert, Mm -hmm. and marching straight into ethnic discord and ethnic division immediately. God puts his crosshairs right on that problem and says, this is not going to be in my family. Mm. But here Peter is actually rebuilding the wall that God had torn down. Mm. And he's going in the opposite direction 
And he's starting to break away from the Gentiles. And actually, if he's not careful, uh, other Jews are going to follow his pattern of reinforcing that Gentiles, you guys are second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, And and us Jews, we're actually correct. And that's going to build a division, which is going to result in enmity between people groups that God is saying, no, I I don't want that in my family. And so I, I believe the Holy Spirit and Paul had to call Peter to account in order to prevent a multiplication of an er- erroneous idea from multiplying. Right. And so I want to hear your thoughts on that story. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit. And, and, and the ramifications of that example, how does that play out in our relationships in the church today? Um, do, we have, do we have similar you know, parallels of division that, that's, that are happening right now that we need to take stock of? We certainly do. Uh, so my thoughts on that story, and it's interesting, is I've heard you share that story several times before. What really struck me, I think, this morning as you shared it again, was I began thinking about, did Peter unintentionally cause some damage to the church? Or did others like Peter that had the same attitude that Peter you know, he got corrected. Maybe he stopped doing that afterwards. And so, he, you know, he fixed, he repented, and then he fixed any future damage. But they, we know that there were others uh, that went around uh, that were making all kinds of claims on the Gentiles that, of course, those were rebuked later on in the Council of Jerusalem. Question is, when I look at the church today and I see how the church continues to essentially resist and reject its own spiritual foundation and heritage, which of course is is linked very deeply to the nation of Israel. Is it possible that the damage that we, and we, the repercussions of that damage started in the very first decade of the church by Jewish leaders and maybe proselytes that were very zealous for the law, Mm. kind of rising up early on in the church and saying, in order for you to be a fully fledged, you know, sold out for Jesus person, Christian, uh, you're, you got a whole laundry list of things that you have to comply with. And even then, you're not quite the, you know, the original rootstock, you know, so you guys are a little lesser than. And did that help propel the church away from its foundation? Uh, interesting. And so that, you know, decades later and a century or so, centuries later, the church said, you know what, we just, we're just not going to deal with these Jews any longer. We're going to just separate ourselves from that foundation. We're going to start our own religion and we're going to, you know, disband ourselves from any of those ideas. And we're going to, we're going to move the Sabbath to Sunday. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but could it have been fueled by, and I'm not excusing the Gentiles for their own, you know, sort of arrogance against the Jewish people and anti-Semitism, but could it have been fueled early on by that root of separation. By a rejection. That by they, a rejection. A perceived rejection. Exactly. That's a great point, Eric. And, you know, another implicit point within the story as we're processing this, um, you know, Peter walked with the Lord. Yes. He knew him. He was one of his best friends, if not his best friend mm-hmm. on the earth. Right. And here he is having to be, he's being dealt with, with this issue. Right. And if, so if Peter, the apostle, had to be corrected mm-hmm. on, these, on these errors. And it was easy for him or possible for him to f- fail mm-hmm. in these ways, even one who talked and knew the heart of the Messiah. Right. How much more do we 
those of us that are here, is this not a universal area that we must examine, mm-hmm. regardless of what ethnicity we derive from, right. of opening our heart to the painful idea that maybe there's some enmity that's tucked away in the little cupboards, the little nooks and crannies of our, of our hearts mm-hmm. and our minds, that just as Peter had to get dealt with, maybe the Holy Spirit is highlighting Areas in our own little worlds, in mm-hmm. our own inner world, saying, hey, I need you to think about this. Your attitude towards women needs to be corrected. Right. Your attitude towards the rich needs to be corrected. Your attitude towards the poor mm-hmm. needs to be corrected. I need you to see the, the other the way that I see them, Jed, Eric, right? Peter, it, this is a universal area where, you know, he talks about it. Before you take the speck out of someone's eye, take the log out of your own. Clean, up, clean your own heart first, and then the outside of the cup is going to be clean, right? And so these are principles that I think we want to highlight as we move forward into this conversation of just laying a foundation of self-examination. As we walk into this, none of us are guiltless. That's right. And because we're all guilty, that creates an environment that's safe for us to own even our own personal failures in this area, much like Peter had to, mm-hmm. you know, Paul had to own his failure. He thought he was so zealous for God, and yet he was persecuting the very one he claimed to love. That's right. And what a humbling, you know, two by four upside his head, <laughs> right? You, the most educated, the, the, the bright light That's in right. the Jewish world, the scholar, the brilliant Jewish mind, you, you uh, intellectual savant, Paul, guess what? <laughs> you missed it. You missed me. That's right. You've been hurting me. I mean, that is just a huge heaping of humble pie mm-hmm. that you have to eat. And, and so we, wanna, we don't want to run from the humble pie. That's right. We actually want to get on our knees and say, sorry, Lord, That's right. sorry. We, we've violated the very one you called us in, and you've been hospitable, and we have been inhospitable to others. We've, we've violated the, the rule of the house of God and how we've walked out our zealousness for the house of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just, I think, a good thing for us to think about as we reflect on some of these stories from the scriptures. Yeah. And as you were talking, I mean, I, I have been learning more and kind of restudying the history of, of this nation and the history of the church in this nation. And I can see that. Um, there was a lot of damage that uh, the church caused, uh, even from the very early early years on in this nation, but especially through the foundation of slavery that was established and enabled, and it was legalized through laws. And many of the people that, of course, were essentially supporting these laws were Christians. They were mm. men and women who, on one, they preached sort of one gospel out of one side of their mouth, but then you know, said something completely different out of the other side of their mouth. And even the founding fathers, and they wrote the Constitution, and, you know, when it says all men are created equal, and we have these unalienable rights that are given to us, endowed to us by our Creator, they even uh, twisted that to somehow say, well, you know, that, that was applied to white people, white European people, and even within those ranks, there were classifications of whites that they defined and laws that were written around that. So we have a lot of history that we have to unpackage, and, and the church has to own up to that history 
and the sins of what we have done in the church to cause that harm to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I think it's a, an important point to just underscore for those of those that are listening in to the podcast. Um, biblically, when we repent for a nation, you know, I think about Daniel chapter nine, mm-hmm. where Daniel was not guilty personally of the sins that he's confessing to God That's right. in Daniel chapter nine. And yet he included himself in his people group. He did. Um, and was interceding for God's mercy. And identified with the Jewish people and, and God's heart for how he put himself in the category with the rest of his people. He didn't separate himself and say, oh, I'm holier than thou and I never committed these sins. He put himself in the group with that group of people and said, we, we all of us, have failed you, God. Yeah, we are guilty. That's right. Um, and you're righteous mm-hmm. to, to judge. That's right. And so one of the things I've encountered in a lot of conversations I've been having over the last few weeks and months is some people saying, well, I'm not guilty of, you know, being in the Ku Klux Klan or owning slaves. These were not my personal sin. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that comes into the conversation here is the individualized idea of the gospel. You know, Jesus is my personal savior. Um, he died for my sins mm-hmm. and he's saved my life. That's all true. Right. But one of the things we've, we've talked about is like you are you are saved actually into a community of faith. That's You're right. saved a into family. a people. That's You're right. saved into a family. And, and so the gospel of the kingdom is bigger than just your individual salvation. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that, that God wants us to be that we'll talk about in the next episode is salt and light. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be a light on a hill that shines with the truth of the gospel of the kingdom. And so as we start to think about, well, how do we engage as believers in, the, in a conversation that, that can be very, very carnal very, very quickly? Yes. Um, yeah. How do we bring salt and light and the power of the gospel of the kingdom to bear so that there is a godly collision in our culture, not mm-hmm. an ungodly one. That's right. We don't want to sow further discord and further pain. We actually want to bring a biblical perspective. And I think what we're saying is there's some roots in our, in our history as a people in America that we actually, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, God did a lot of great things through founding fathers. There's also some areas that we need to examine and say, okay, how does this line up with the biblical narrative? Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about this, and I've been on a journey as a Gentile looking at church history, for example, with the Jewish people. And I've had, as a Gentile Christian, mm-hmm. to come into an understanding of how Gentile believers really from the first generation of, once the, the first generation of Jewish apostles passed, passed on, the torch, the Gentile fathers sowed in anti-Semitic mm-hmm. thought and the ramifications of that that we're feeling even today. And it was a rabbit hole that, that the Lord took me on of understanding wow, mm-hmm. there's been things done in the name of Christ that Christ never would have authorized. That's right. And he's been misrepresented. The truth has been so brutalized. And we have to remember that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We have an enemy mm-hmm. that is seeking to inflame violence at every step. I mean, it started right with Cain and Abel. That's true. He is trying to incite brother to kill brother. And unfortunately, he's done that in the body of Christ and so that example that, that I'm laying out is a Gentile believer coming into uh, contact with the violations that the Gentile church has committed and atrocities the Gentile church has committed against the Jewish people over 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Really, really painful history that we have to examine. And I actually have to say before the Lord, we, we are guilty. Yeah. 
the Gentiles around the world, we have been guilty of wounding your heart in the ways in which we have walked out our faith towards the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And in the same parallel, we now need to own some things in America and saying, Lord, we are guilty with how we have related to your First Nations people. That's right. How we have related to black Americans. That's right. How we have related to women. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, women could not vote in our country until 1920. Right. Um, And so we have made man-made artificial divisions Mm -hmm. uh, to keep people separate, to keep people held down. And that violates the biblical narrative and the biblical pattern that God gives us. And therefore, if we if we don't bring that perspective, our gospel is weakened. Our Mm -hmm. message is weakened and is thus rendered ineffective. And so our heart here in having these conversations is to begin before God to ask him to enlighten us, to Mm -hmm. help us give his give us his wisdom as we communicate his heart and his scripture and his word to our countrymen, to our brothers and sisters in the church, so that his light and his love can be made manifest and his wisdom can be made known to the heavenly realms and to all creatures under heaven. Amen. So we will bring this episode to a close. Do you have any final thoughts, Eric? No, that's powerful. I got a lot to say, but I think we need to save that for our next episodes because uh, I want to make sure that we give each of these areas enough time to really talk about and talk through them. Amen. And that's the value of these episodes is we can actually just take some time to process with each other. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Commission Podcast. Uh, We look forward to sharing more with you. You can always subscribe to our podcast and be notified whenever new ones uh, are released. And on behalf of Eric Teitelman, I'm Jed Robine. God bless you. And we'll look forward to journeying with you as we move forward. If you have enjoyed this podcast from Permission, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites. We pray the Lord richly blesses you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.